Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. I mean, I don't think there was a lot of, there was a lot of thought that was put in this. We weren't really crafting it as much as we were just throw that in there, do this, do that. Is that how that Jimi Hendrix, is that how that ended up in there? Yeah, that shouldn't even be on the record, but that's just, I think that's the tail end of us recording the song. Gotcha. And then I think E just kept, kept it going and, and we just started playing. So E was the producer on the, on the enemy. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Jim Monroe might have been involved a bit because I remember going in when Farside recorded. I remember that I knew him. I or, or I knew who he was, um, but I I don't remember for sure. Does um do you think? Let's say if you guys start writing the material like black and like. And like that, like, well, because Black came out on the bus comp, but then there was that, like, was Black on that seven inch? Was it like that two song seven inch with that kind of like, like odd kind of cool looking cover? Like, do you think the band maybe would have stayed together longer if you would have started writing music like that earlier or no? Oh, no, no, no. Those, I mean, the, the song Black was, it was fairly old. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Really? It was, it never had words until we we went in and put it uh, onto the seven inch. It was always, I always it was like the the last year and a half. That was the song that we opened with. That was sort of like our intro bust. Um, and it's uh, a great opener. Like 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 that really like like yeah yeah. Well, I, again, I mean, in keeping with tradition, we thought that it was great because we thought that like the youth crew kids would really just bomb on it because it's very slow. It's, uh, you know, we, we thought it sounded like sort of a cross between the Melvins and Godflesh and <laughs> maybe Soundgarden, which, you know, the, the youth of today kids are, at least we thought would, would probably be like, what, what is this hippie shit? But yeah. So then moving, moving a little forward, how but I'm so, so yeah. no no please at first would have broken up no matter what okay um Mike and Aaron were musically were definitely going in this direction John wanted to do what he eventually did with Downer he wanted to do like something that was um tuned down that was heavy that was a little bit uh, uh grumpier sounding and and Mike and Aaron were I don't, I don't think they wanted to be a grunge band. I, I, I mean, you listen to that first Smile record, it sounds like a grunge band, but 
they were really listening to a lot of like like old kinks and uh, the Sonics and, and like 60s garage stuff. And they wanted to do something like that. Um, it's interesting so how think- you say that because like they were listening to that and it seemed like Mike it seemed like that they sort of eventually evolved into that, but it took them a while. Like, 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 like they, like they just sort of, yeah, it just took them a little, you know, they didn't start off sounding like that to me. Smile was around for a long time right. before that first record came out and they played so many shows. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and it was always to like a very small crowd. So they had a lot of time to kind of really hone their craft and, and find their sound, which, the, the early, early stuff, it was very, I mean, that was when, you remember Rob Gonzalez? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was when he was playing second guitar. Yep. And he was writing, like, half the stuff. And that dude is just, he's all about, like, you know, Neil Young and, and you know, the mid-60s stuff. I always so thought it was, it was odd. It was really cool. I, I always thought it was involved. That he, it was odd that he lived with you guys. Rob, this is Rob Gonzalez, lived with you guys, was, was around you guys, and then moved away. And, like, I'm like... Why isn't that guy doing something? Because he was, I he seemed to be one of those guys like that would sort of be brought out with you guys, and then okay, now we're going to see what all of these guys are going to do as a as a as a band, or like you know if he was still in Smile or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was I was really sad when Rob moved because he's. I mean, you 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 met him, you knew him. He, I mean, just one of the nicest guys. Made great guacamole. Yes, he did. Yeah, right. Yes. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. But but um, so now, how do you get into four one one? Because in my mind, I'm a young kid hanging out with Dan, and I'm just imagining Dan kind of walking around the scene, grabbing people, and we're gonna do a band. Um, which how did it, how did it happen? The way I remember it was, I, I know that. The original idea before we had a name or anything like that was it was it was going to be um, more of like a like a like a neurosis kind of thing. It was, it, we were aiming to be kind of heavy and and kind of spooky. Um, That's when Vadim was playing drums before Mark. When right? Vadim was playing drums, yeah. And so it was you know I think we had this idea that it was going to be a little droning, um, slower pace and. I was hoping that that um, Dan was going to that that the that the O'Mahony that was going to be in the band would be the Thought Crusade version, you know when when I mean like it, when he recorded that record I mean he his voice was low he had that like it was it was great, yeah. um, but it just it just wasn't working. Um, Josh and I weren't especially good at writing metal riffs um and so i the way i remember was i had recorded some i was in like a real heavy government issue phase and i'd record recorded a few things on the four track no vocals or anything just just guitar bass and drums um and dan heard it and i don't remember when or how um, but but he, I remember very clearly. He was like, "This is what we need to be doing," um, and so we we just kind of changed direction around that. And so we went in and recorded. Um, this is the seventies. Before, yeah, the seventies. Before we really even practice, because um, the first seven inches, uh, 
It's just you. It's just you. Is it you doing everything and Dan, or is it you, Josh, and Dan? You know, I think Josh played played on it. Um, but yeah, I played drums and guitar as well. Has, has anyone um, ever told you that on the back of that record you look like the guy from the North Shore? I don't know what the North Shore is. It's a eighties movie about this guy that goes and like learns to surf very very quickly because he's not very good. And see it just because when I first met you, I was like, that's I thought like, that's not the same guy. Because you just you look you looked so was it the, the blonde hair right well, yeah it was just so different and your hair was like it was like here and it just if you look at the back cover yeah just yeah I I, I don't think I've ever told you that but yeah my my first thought was dude he looks like Rick Kane that's the character from the North Shore yeah you look like him <laughs> you know the most obscure movie <laughs> so okay so you go in and you record this record to me yeah. those two songs sound effortless like literally like just like i don't want to say lightning in a bottle because there's other songs you did on the 12 inch that sound that way was it as flawless in execution as it as it seems i mean i think we recorded it really really quickly um i i want to say it was a one day thing I might okay. be wrong, but but I feel like it was really quick, um, and the LP was fairly quick as well. I, I, I'm a week, two weeks, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was two songs, um, so it wasn't all that hard. And and the uh, you know the 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 difficult part I think was the the drums because at that point, I think I'd only really played the the drum part a few times just, just so I could record on the four track. So going into the, like a studio studio was a little bit different, but I remember the guitar and bass and, and Dan's vocals being pretty quick. So you guys literally hadn't really practiced. It was, it was, we're going to go in and, and where did you, was that recorded at West beach too? Or I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think. Yeah. Well, cause the recording on that is also really real. Like it sounds awesome. I think, I mean, it sounds like great i like that recording more than i like the recording for the lp i'm not the, the the sound on the lp i was never really particularly happy with do you, do you think there may be any correlation with you and maybe doing things quicker in the studio that you end up liking them more because there's less time to kind of critique and be hyper focused on it and just it's like boom this is it it just comes out I mean, maybe I, I, I think the, um, I think with 401, they, they were quick because, we, especially when we recorded the LP, we, we had practiced a lot. Um, and, and so we were pretty, we were pretty well oiled by them. Um, um, but I, all, I also think there was a, I think there was a bit of a, like a, like a financial aspect to it. Like, I, I think we all, we knew who was paying for it. I mean, it was, Dan was covering it. I think, I think ultimately Kane or whoever ran all of those, you know, the, the mastermind behind all these labels really worked over the money or whatever, I don't know. And that's Cargo. Um, that's like Cargo, cargo who, was, yeah, yeah. who Dan kind of had, I guess what you would now call a P&D deal with them. Like he would bring them stuff and they would release it. Right, right, and then it would be on Dan's imprint. Or right. I mean, I think I think Nemesis kind of worked the same way, and Headhunter, and, and but not Ringside. Uh, 
Not ringside. <laughs> not ringside, not jester. Two exactly. only independently. Um, so I think... Or Kamita. Or Kamita. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I, I don't... Yeah. Sorry. You and I have way too big of a history together. We have way... <laughs> we know way too much about each other. But, um... Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Please. Anyway, anyway, I, I think we were very conscious of the fact that we didn't want to spend a lot of time because it was, you know, mine is money. Right, right. Now, um, on that, on that, on that record, is there, like, when when you when you talk about the sound of it, to me, wait, actually, no, I know what I wanted to ask. Um, is it fair to say? Because I want to say that I remember this that you guys had actually recorded that record before you ever played live? I may have That's... the dates wrong on that. I may have the dates wrong. I want to say that's true, but but I, I'm thinking it's not. I'm thinking we put the 7-inch out before we played live, but I, I, I think we played a bunch of shows before the LP came out. I could be wrong. I don't, it, I don't really remember. Is it um, in any way sort of a, I don't know, I guess like a, I don't know if point of pride is the right word, but is it any way like, like, you know, the stuff that you guys were singing about and playing about and the stuff, you know, ever since I've known you that you've always sort of, you know, it's not like you go around preaching, but I'm saying if anyone talks to you, you're going to tell them your politics, you're going to tell them how you feel. Um, is it like, is it kind of a point of pride for you that like the things that you stood for then and that are still talked about today, like it's it's like that stuff is, and I mean though by that stuff I mean those songs are just as relevant. Is that is that in any way kind of like, wow, it was great to be on the right or you know on the right track or to or to be talking about that, or is it more like, yeah, it's great that we did that, but shit, we're still talking about the same, like w- why do we still have these problems? That, yeah, that was a very odd question, and I apologize. No, no, no. I, I know exactly what you're asking. It's it's all of that. Um, on the one hand, it's, you know, I'm, I, I, I like to I, I, I like to look at current state of, of the country and see that, you know, anyone that wants to marry whoever it is that, that they're in love with can do it. Um, that's great. Um, and, you know, I, I like the idea that I was on the right side of history with that. But it is a bummer that there's still plenty of people that have an issue with that, you know, with, you know, Tom and Steve getting married. Right. Like, like it really, it, it messes up their life somehow. <laughs> so they have to stick their nose into it and, and you know, and then Jesus gets involved and, you know, and, and all of this. And which, that part's still kind of a bummer. Which you guys, for being who you guys are within that, have a song called Our Father, which is, is in my opinion, it, I, I don't look at that as like an assault on organized religion. It's it's more of an assault on the people practicing. Like, you're, you're not coming down on the idea of God. You're coming down on more on the idea of people who espouse this belief in God and then talk about the way to act and then can act completely the opposite of that way. I mean, I think you'd have to ask 
damn that and, and make sure that the audio is recording. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of always saw it as sort of a uh, down with God kind of thing. No, that's that. Which, I'm telling you, no, is this is great. Me. Right, 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 right. Oh, yeah, no, trust me. I, I, I didn't think you'd ever, I don't think you would ever take Dan to task for for that. No, that's, uh, that's, uh, but you know what? That's the beauty of this whole thing is like, I can listen to it and I like kind of take it and I filter it in my brain. And then you, I mean, you know, you're the guy that created it. So you have your, you know, obvious feelings. And I just think, um, I just think. 411 it's 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 really really interesting because like you guys got at least to me you guys got really really big and it it almost seems to me like that like that wasn't very important to you guys am i wrong on that like am i like it just seems like it wasn't like you guys walked around and felt good or bad, whether you guys were big or small or whatever. It was, it was more about, we just want to play and we're making this music and this is, this is who we are. Like it never seemed, you never carried an air about yourself. Like, wow, well, we're the biggest band on the scene right now, even though for a time, for that time, you guys were. So here, here's a story kind of related to that. Um, at some point, um, after the first tour that we went on, it was still summer. We had gone on tour that the album was out. We'd gone on tour. We'd come home. And then I think we played a couple other shows. Um, and, and they were, you know, there was, there were people there. I don't know if there was a lot of people, but there were people there and then they, you know, they were into it and, and it was great. You know, everybody was having a good time. And, Around that time, I, I distinctly remember going to Zed Records with um, uh, my friend uh, Sherry. And, you know, I stood around talking with Frank a little bit. And I think Kate was there and talked with Kate for a little bit. And I looked at some records and bought a seven inch or whatever. And then, and then Sherry and I left. And I think we went next door to the, the Mexican restaurant. And she said, you know, that was, that was really weird. And, and, I, and I was like, what, what was weird? And she's like, there were so many people in there that were just like staring at you and like pointing at you and like talking like, like that's the guy from blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Like, and so I think the answer to your question is, I, I, I at least, I was completely oblivious. Even though um, there was like hundreds of people like at the show, like going off, like you guys were one of those bands that like pits could happen. But no one was getting hurt. Everyone was being respectful. Like it was kind of around that time. But Dan didn't ever have to say anything. Like hey, everyone, take take care of yourselves and and don't. Like so, you didn't think anything, or were you just thinking, well, we're playing a show. There's a lot of bands on the show. People have come to the show, and we they just happen to be going off for us right now because we're playing. I yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it was. It was a hardcore show. It's just. I just assume that's what people did. I I've never been. Honestly, I've never understood like stage diving and, and, and circle pit and all that stuff. I've always been the guy that stands either on the side of the stage or in the back with his fingers in his ears because it's, you can hear better because it, it, it clarifies the sound and just stands there and pays attention. 
Um, I, and you would literally stand like a statue. I remember seeing you, and I remember wondering, like, okay, aren't his arms getting tired? And doesn't that hurt to have your fingers in your ear for 40 minutes or whatever? It never bothered you. Well, I mean, it wasn't always comfortable, but, you know, I mean, I, I went to shows. If it was a band that I liked, I really wanted to pay attention to them. Um, I wanted to to see what the drummer was doing. I wanted to see what the bass player was doing. Um, I don't think there's ever been a band that I've gone to see where I've just, you know, oh, fucking party and you just start moshing or whatever. And I've never understood that. It, it doesn't. And 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 there there was always a part of me that thought, why don't you guys just fucking settle down and pay attention? Right. Just. Check out what we're doing, but instead it was a you know it was a bunch of shirtless dudes running around slamming into each other. I just assumed. I mean, honestly, I just assumed that most of the people that were at these shows, it wouldn't have mattered who who was on stage. If it's the headlining band, that's that's the cue to go bananas, and it doesn't matter who it is. You know, this is just it's it's I'm going to blow off steam. I'm going to you know punch guys, whatever whatever it is. Um, so I don't, I, I always view that as just like, this is what happens when the headlining band plays. It's not necessarily, um, like a sign of appreciation or anything like that. I mean, I could have been wrong, but that, that's how I always interpret it. 